Before I get into this episode, there are just a couple quick things that I would like to say. First of all, we have the giveaway winners for the free coaching sessions with Green Warrior. Those winners are Pawn, Trailwave, and Rofren. Congratulations to you guys. Uh, I'll make sure to get in touch with you and Green Warrior to make sure that you can get those done. Congratulations again. For those of you that just recently joined the Discord, thank you. For those of you that uh, reacted to the thing and put yourself in there, thank you for taking the time. I appreciate you being in the Discord and being a part of what we have going on. The second thing, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. And honest, I have been doing this podcast for a while now, more out of a necessity or a desire to not let everyone down and stop than an actual desire myself to keep it going. I love having the conversations. I love getting to talk to people about Rocket League. And I've been mostly doing it just because I don't want to let people down because I know they enjoy it. And it's come to the point in time where I get to start doing things because I want to do them and the things that motivate me and the things that I desire to do as opposed to the things that I feel like people want me to do and, and keep me uh, connected to that only because I don't want to let people down. And I know that some people are going to be disappointed and that's too bad and I'm sorry for that. And I think at this point it is time for me to move on from the podcast and to start exploring other things more consistently that I have a passion for, that I desire to do, instead of taking the time to continue to post this podcast because I feel a necessity to or a need to because it's there and I don't want to let people down and I'm trying to be consistent on it. I've really enjoyed uh, the growth that the Discord has seen over the past few months, I really uh, am appreciative of the community that has been starting to grow, and the Discord isn't going to go anywhere. If you guys want to stick around, that's awesome. If you want to continue to join, that's great, because there are people there, and hopefully you can utilize this community that has been formed. And at this point, I just... The, the only motivation that I have to keep going with the podcast is because people have come to expect it or, you know, I have enjoyed hearing it. And that's the only reason that it's happening. I have other things that I want to do. I have other things that I want to explore, other areas that I would like to see growth for myself in. And so I'm going to start exploring those and focusing on those and allowing myself to go in a direction that I want to go for myself. So I hope you understand. And if you don't understand, you know, you're more than welcome to ask me questions or get in touch with me or talk to me about it. And right now I just see myself going in a different direction that I'm very excited about. And so I'm going to pursue that and let the energy around the podcast go, let the energy around it needing to make sure everybody or that I'm not letting people down go uh, because that's just not, it's not a healthy energy to carry around. I want that weight off my shoulders and I just want to allow myself the time to move forward on my own goals as opposed to what I feel like others expect of me. So anyways, uh, I have a few episodes that I recorded for the Patreon. I am shutting the Patreon down as of today. So I'm going to release those few episodes that I put on the Patreon. I hope that you enjoy them. 
Um, and then in a few weeks, uh, the podcast will cease to be created and I'll leave it up because people are finding it, people enjoy it, and hopefully they come and hang out and I'll still be around and you know, there are tons of helpful people that are around. So still ask your questions, be supportive of each other. You know, I don't want anything like that to change. And for now, uh, that is, that's, this is, this is going to be the last few episodes of the podcast for the foreseeable future. And I mean, I'll be honest, I am still going to continue with the content creation. I'm really enjoying Minecraft and I'm going to hone in on that and really focus on trying to make the best videos that I can make. And if you want to watch those, I thoroughly appreciate it. And if Minecraft isn't your thing, that's totally cool too. I get that. And Either way, I appreciate all of your support over the past few years with this podcast, with this adventure. It has been a huge support in my life, and it's been really influential in how I look at the world and how I look at different things, and it's gotten me to this point as to where I am, and I'm excited for the future. I'm excited to continue to move forward and and really go for the goals that I have now, and I hope or I wish all of you the best. Uh, thanks for everything. And again, there will be a few more episodes and who knows uh, what things could look like in the future, but that's that. So here we go. Uh, this episode is with Messi, a supersonic legend. He is a legend. I just got to meet him at the LAN, which was awesome. Uh, but this is from a few weeks ago. So here we go with Messi. Rocket League, tell me tell me about what do you want to talk about when it comes to Rocket League? Well, there are a lot of things we could really talk about. Like, I've been watching a lot of RLCS recently, like a lot of the new regions, like how they're developing, the, the, the land that's coming up that I'm going to as well. going to be really exciting to meet all those players, some of which you have actually faced before as well, which would be, which is really, really nice. Oh, you're going to the land? Yes, I am going to the land. Yes. Now... <laughs> I I don't want to assume just because I know that a lot of the ASAP guys or guys that hang out there consistently are Canadian. I don't want to assume. Are you Canadian? I am not Canadian. Okay. No, I'm not. Got it. All right. But you are going to land. Correct. Yeah. That's exciting. I'm, yes. I'm going to be there on Sunday as well. Oh, nice. You going to the event or just being yes. in the area? Like, no, oh, I will. I will. I, I got a ticket. And mm -hmm. I'm actually going to be at like a, a seminar from Monday to Saturday, the like the week of the tournament. And then mm -hmm. I get done early Sunday morning. Yeah. And so I'm going to be in Arizona. I'm going to fly from Arizona to L.A. for Championship Sunday and then be in L.A. for a couple days after that. So I'm yeah. just going to get to see the end of it. But I mean, that's all anybody cares about anyways oh yeah well for most people i'd say yeah but i'm i'm a person who really really likes to see like the beginning of the tournament because it usually gives you a good indicator as to how teams are doing mm -hmm. and especially like the newer teams coming in like team queso which has two 16 year olds and a 15 year old like to like the nerves shake out for them detonator who in the they weren't even supposed to make the apac qualifier but they did and they actually made it to the land so Seeing like those teams, like how they're gonna shape out, like all the new orgs coming in as well, like seeing how all that shapes out and how like these teams like do is gonna be really really interesting. Have you always paid attention to RLCS, or is this a new thing for you? 
Uh, I've been paying attention to it since I started playing Rocket League. <laughs> okay, so fun. you've been pretty yeah. into RLCS then. Yeah, so like around like se- the end of season four of RLCS to the start of season five is when I started playing the game, and that's when I first started watching. How many hours do you have in Rocket League? I am closing in on six thousand. Okay, so yeah. a good amount. Yeah. And you <laughs> and you haven't been. So what year was season four? Was that like twenty eighteen, twenty seventeen? Twenty seventeen. Yeah. Yeah. And you've already mm-hmm. amassed six thousand hours. Yeah, I started playing, I recall, late November 2017, when the game first released for Switch. I played my first 2,600 hours of Rocket League on the Switch. 2,600 hours? On the Switch, yes. Good God. Please tell me that you didn't use the Joy-Cons. No, no, I used the Pro Controller. I used the Pro Controller. How was that, though? It was Even the um, Pro Controller. Well, it was fine, because I was used to playing, like like games with it at the time at the time i was speed running super mario odyssey so like my finger dexterity had to be on point and then i saw a game that combined like cars which is something that i like i like a lot and then like, soccer right based off of my name i love soccer a lot messi's my favorite soccer player so it was just like a no-brainer and it was also 50 percent off so it was a win-win all the way that <laughs> so was the like when it launched you bought it immediately uh no, not immediately at launch. I like bought it when it went on sale for the winter, like when it went into the winter sale. Mm, okay, and that's when I purchased it. Wow. Yeah. And then, so you you play so long on the Switch, and then did you upgrade to a PC purely because of Rocket League? Yeah, pretty much. I and... played on a laptop for eight months when I switched. What was and, that um, like for you switching to PC? It was uh it was, was eye opening because even though like my laptop wasn't terribly like it wasn't like the strongest thing out there, I could still run the game at like a hundred frames at like high quality, which was just bizarre to me. And not to mention the input like lag, like was just disappeared, gone. Mm-hmm. And also another big thing I had to do was switch controller. Yeah. So after amassing all that muscle memory on the pro controller, I had to just a ps4 controller because that was the only other thing that i was used to since i owned a ps3 in the past so okay went ahead and bought a ps4 controller plugged it in and it took like i'd say like 100 200 hours before i got really used to it and then once i got used to it it was just sailing from there <laughs> what rank were you on the switch i was i think 30 mmr from gc and threes at one point and then I got Rumble GC as well, the se- the last season that I played on Switch. Yeah. And then what what effect did, once you got comfortable on the PC, did you see an increase in your rank as well? Oh, immediately. <laughs> yeah. Almost instantly, I made it out to GC in threes. Got it in twos the same season as well. Even so, my ones rank like slowly like creeping up as well. <laughs> Which is really really nice and then rumble was the first section mode i ever played so i just kept playing it more and more and more so it was like really really fun being able to play the game at a higher quality like it just feels feels it's feeling smooth right yeah just makes it much more easier to see what to do on the field like i was like i was like like between my friend group they tattered me as like the quote-unquote mechanical player so once i switched to pc everything was just like so much more fluid it felt amazing you were a me- mechanical player even on Switch. Yeah, 
like yeah. my friend group who was like on other like platforms as well like they would say like i was the mechanical one in the group but my rotation was <laughs> atrocious <laughs> it was horrible so i i want to go backwards a little bit because i'm curious what how how good were you at the speed running and had you always been into speed running before you got interested or before you found rocket league um so before i found rocket league i was uh i was just playing a bunch of like party games with people like i was just playing like mario kart like another like other other games that we would try and then super mario odyssey released as well like the year that the switch came out in 2017 mm-hmm. and i bought the game so i bought the system solely for that game and i got really deeply invested because it was the first 3d platformer for nintendo in a while for mario mm-hmm. like specifically so i got into it beat the game and then i'm like this game would be so much fun to speed run <laughs> so i started speed running it and I think, like, the best speedruns now, like, sit at the 57-minute range, 58-minute range. And I think my best run that I ever had before I quit was, like, an hour and 24 minutes, which I was really, really excited about. I mean, that's still... I feel like it can be really easy to slice off minutes still when you're learning things mm-hmm. as you go, yeah. you know... You could magically get, you know, 15 minutes less out of the oh, blue, yeah. I feel, with some of those speed runs. Yeah, because when I first started doing it, like, I did a first run just, like, like pretty much after I beat the game. <laughs> and I managed to save time there because I knew where, like, some stuff was. But then mm-hmm. after that, I actually went ahead and, like, fully watched, like, a speed run from an actual, like, speedrunner. That was, like, I think when the first when the game first came out, like, a minute 10 was, like insane it was like oh my god you're so nuts so i watched it and then i managed to get my time for my first speedrun which is like two hours down to like an hour like 40 hour 50 so like once i saw that big like like that sizable difference i'm like i just want to do it more (laughs) yeah so what what kind of personality would you say that you have in terms of being able to do something like speedrunning and then getting so involved in rocket league like what is it what is it about rocket league that hooked you i think with rocket league it's like it's a really fun game to get into because of the how simple it looks at first glance but then that hidden depth behind it how like high the skill ceiling actually is it's like all of those factors are just like together just make it so much fun to enjoy and like after doing speedrunning for a while and like being invested into a game, like it was like once I got invested into Rocket League after the first couple hundred hours, I'm like, yeah, this is the game that I'm gonna be playing. Mm. And that has lasted almost has lasted five time. years now. Yeah. Uh, would you consider yourself a competitive person? Oh yeah. Yeah. For sure. Okay. For sure. Like, I think prime example is like I think the day the season was ending, like season five, right? I queued some drop shot to see if I could get the get SSL and drop shot. And I ran into Justin like late at night. <laughs> oh, wow. And I played, I think, four games with and against him. And it was just, it's insane. Like, even though I'm the same rank he is, right? In threes, we're both SSL. It's just the difference between me, who's a low SSL, and him, who's a pro player, is like so vast. And it's so eye-opening and like so disheartening at the same time. 
yeah just makes you want to get better and like just try to reach the pinnacle do you feel do you feel like you're still motivated to continue to improve yes absolutely absolutely last season was my first season achieving ssl in regular modes which was like very very exciting so once i once i like hit it i'm like nice i'm in the top three thousand players in this game mode but then I realized, wait, there are 3,000 players that are still better than me. <laughs> so now I just got to push higher and higher, try to make triple digits or even like leaderboards would be really nice as well. Where do you think that motivation comes from? Like, I, I'm, I'm very intrigued by like just the drive that gets somebody to that point because it, I mean, again, like you said, 3000 people, that's it where you are. Like you're at, you know, almost the top of the mountain. Yeah. It's, oh, that's a really hard thing to explain. It's like, you get like, so like, it hurts a lot when you realize someone's just so much better than you. You just get like crushed in games. But at the same time, you're like, what if I got good enough to compete like properly against them? And take games off of them. And it's like just that thought like lingering in my head just makes it makes me want to play more and more and more. To eventually like even like make like an, an ROCS stage eventually one day, which is like like one of my one of my goals. So just keep like keeping on playing, like playing consistently as well. Is like just gotta do it. <laughs> yeah. Have have you played in any of the RLCS? rlcs qualifiers oh i did one recently but we couldn't me and uh i think i played with cruncho as well we played with cruncho who made crl Mm -hmm. but we couldn't find a reliable third so we got knocked out very early Mm. but it was still nice to face even like those like teams because they're wanting to achieve the same thing and like most people like do it for the experience as well but it's like even though you know you're probably not gonna make it through a qualifier just that thought of like thinking like but what if I actually like managed to clutch up and actually beat like a really like big team? It's like mm-hmm. that thought just, I'm sort of pitting myself now, but it's it like... has to be there though. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I think that the biggest thing about that is just taking the opportunity to see what would happen. Yeah. And to learn. <laughs> yeah. Because truly the only way to get better in this game is to face people that are inherently better than you. Consistency, seeing how they play, like even attempting to mimic what they do as well, like like mimicry, like trying new stuff, like just making yourself uncomfortable every time you play, mm-hmm. never falling into a sense of like you're being comfortable. How how do you? Um, I'm I'm just. What is it like to just continue to work on this game? Like, I'm I'm at a point right now, quite honestly, where I'm just a little. I'm not I, frustrated. May not be the right word, but when I play games right now, like I disillusioned in a way. Okay, so I played a decent amount today, ranked mm-hmm. and. I wouldn't say that I'm like frustrated, but, and I think, you know, the motivation for me is just like, uh, it's not, it's not there. 
like it was in the past. Like I still enjoy Rocket League. I like when I, I was playing with some friends right before mm-hmm. I got on this call and like playing with my friends is fun and I enjoy the game at that point. But like playing and ranked and thinking about ranking up and spending time in training and, and stuff of that nature for me, it's it's just not there. And I'm wondering like when you're moving from even like low GC to GC2 to GC3, like what was that process for you like to analyze your game, to break down mistakes, to find them, to correct them? Because it it's just gets like the margins get tighter and tighter. Yeah, it's um, I think another thing that also drives me to get better is like, I always want to be the best in my friend group. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I think everybody has that feeling. Whenever you play games with your friends, you always want just want to be the best in your friend group, right? So that's another thing that also helps. And when it comes to raking up, it's like, it's a slow process. If you're not ready for the long game and you're like only thinking like, I got to hit it now, I got to hit it now. It's like, you'll probably n- almost never achieve it. Because mm-hmm. like, I got my GC originally, which was 1515. I got it at the 2800 hour mark. Mm-hmm. And it took me another 3,000 hours to go from that, like, MMR threshold to where I am now. Yeah. Which is a very, very long time. So it's like, if you're not ready for it, like, then it's not going to happen. And also, I've been indulging myself in a lot of extra modes as well. Just having a lot of fun in that. Making leaderboards for Rumble and Snow Day last season. Like, all that stuff is, like, very, very fun as well. <laughs> making the leaderboard in snow day i mean hey only 100 people do it though right so yeah. there's there's something to be said about that mm-hmm. Indeed. And, okay so now hindsight being what it is three thousand hours later do you feel like you could do it faster if you had to do it all over again <clears throat> oh absolutely if i were like if i were like to go back in time and like actually like like be like hey mom can you help me buy a pc like like right now <laughs> like she'd probably like be like no like save up money but i'd like gladly do it in a heartbeat right mm-hmm. and like the thought of, like thought the thought in my head is like if i was as good as i am right now back then like that that like difference like i would be at the very top of the game which is insane to think about but the fact that i didn't start then and i started like two years after the game came out and mm. I am now at this level. It's like, I just got to push higher and higher. There's no point in stopping. Mm-hmm. But e- I'm even going back to like the past 3000 hours, like when you switch to PC, do you feel like you, I mean, do you feel like improvement is a more consistent thing for you? Like, have you learned ways to continually push yourself or find ways to find holes in your game and and shore those up? Or is it still just a very meticulous, slow grind for you? Like, what does, what does this look like now? Is it going to be another 5,000 hours until you feel like you are on that upper echelon? Yeah, so when it comes to that, it's like, there's like the obvious difference, right, between like PC and like console where like, PC just offers you so much more like to work with as well. And like one thing that many people don't know about is the fact that Nintendo Switch players did not get transparent goalposts until 2019. 
<laughs> so we couldn't see through the posts at all. It was a guessing game that whole time. So just like, of course, when you get higher and higher, you see the progress less and less. But it's still happening at a way faster pace on a PC with proper like routines, like in like training and everything than it does on console, I'd say, for the most part. But then it's also up to the person to like actually want to put in the hours, like do proper training, like not just goofing around, getting on and doing that stuff. So it's just how you use your hours, like what resources you have available to you and just a combination of all that. How how did you split up your time as you were? I mean, how how do you play the game? What's your what's your process? How do you look at it? What do you spend your time doing when it comes to playing ranked like rank threes and rank twos? I'll only play the rank game modes twice a week, usually twice or three times a week. Because I want to make sure that the games that I'm putting in are games that I'm putting like forth my best effort. Because like I want to see like when I'm playing at my best, how do I stack up? So if I'm not playing at my best, I usually won't play this. Sometimes that I'll just play on a whim as well. Sometimes I'll hop on and play with more warm-up. But if I'm like really wanting to practice, I'll sit and free play for a little bit, hop into a custom training, maybe a workshop, and then play afterward. So it's like it's kind of on a whim for the most part, mm-hmm. but I do try to seek and like play at my best, like for the most part, whenever I am queuing competitive game modes. I think it's interesting that you say that too, because okay, so let's say, like you said, this was the first time that you got SSL in you know the traditional ranked modes. Yeah, and I'm sure there are SSL players that kind of live on that next tier up in SSL, they probably just hop on the game and play and they're just SSL. Yeah. So, well, I guess it's too early in the season right now, but where, where are you rank wise in like threes and twos, which is your primary mode? Oh, my primary mode, it's swapped between the two occasionally. Mm -hmm. It's like, I usually find like, I think a couple seasons ago I was like, I'm playing a lot of twos, but threes is still my main thing. But nowadays I'm playing more threes and twos. But now that I've like hit SSL and my rotation has solidified, I now have to go back and focus on mechanics and speed again. If I want to push even higher because... And also right now I'm unranked this season. I have not touched threes and twos. Mm-hmm. But the way that I see it, in like 3v3 SSL, you have three stages of SSL players. There is your low SSLs, like, 19, like 1900s, like almost 2Ks. Then like you have their semi-pro level, which I'd say is like 20, 20, 50 plus, like top 100. And then, of course, you have the very top tier, which is professional play. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's how like I mentally split SSL into like three like parts because sure. those players like up there are just nuts. <laughs> They're crazy. What's the difference? Then, oh, like... The difference is like with like pro players, it's like... They just know the game. Like, like even though, like, I'd like to think I know the game in and out, they know the game in and out a lot more mm-hmm. than I do. And it's just, oh, man. I mean, That's clearly you see. know the game, right? Yeah. So, you know, I and at the same time, just like you're saying, once it gets to them, it's a completely different game. Yeah. Uh-huh. So how, like, how do they look at the game differently? Like, what what's the difference? It's just... 
I gotta think about this for like a little moment. It's like, let's just like put it to a comparison. Let's say we had a team of like me, Cruncho, and another SSR, right? Against, let's say my favorite team, Energy, sure. If we stack those teams up one against one another, just like the sheer experience of one team at the highest level, they've been sitting up there and like getting better and better and better as well. Like me and like Cruncho, let's say we're both relatively new SSLs. Cruncho's been SSL a little bit longer, right? But it's just the way that they play, the communication, they know like how like ugh, it's so many things. <laughs> it's like it floods my brain just trying to think about all of it because the rotation is different. The amount of trust and faith that you have in your teammates to know where they're going to be, how they're going to hit the ball, like how mechanical they are, what they can do with their mechanics. It's so many things. So if you had to take SSL, a pro SSL to you, how would you compare that? Like if maybe skill wise, if a pro SSL or a pro player was like GC one, where would you oh. put a a SSL player in the ranks? Like what's what's the skill gap there as compared to like quote unquote normal ranks? So I'd say the difference between me and a pro would probably be the difference between me and like a champ one. Hmm. It's a very, oh it's, a, it's a stark difference. It's a very big difference, yeah. Because if so, I like, if I stepped into a pro lobby, everybody's going to tell he is the loose end. There is no way he is not, he is a pro. But sometimes if you're feeling yourself, like you'll be playing well. But then again, most pros don't take comp seriously, like at all. Yeah, it's more of just a warm up to them because most players there aren't pros. Sure. So the only time you'll really get to see like the a tr true pro, like true pro play, I'd honestly say it's like online gameplay, not even land gameplay. It's like online, because like online there's not that stress of like a new environment, a crowd. So you get mm -hmm. to see more of like the actual like raw like talent and potential that a pro player has. I'd say in online play. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I'm curious. Okay, so you, you said something about like NRG as a team together, and then if you were on a team, and I mean, obviously there are differences when a pro team has the synergy and time that they've been working together, especially like NRG. But yeah. just say you take, you know, any pro player and slap them into a normal SSL lobby how how do they show up differently than all the other SSL players? Well, if they're going into a lower lobby, they're not going to be as like pronounced as you think they might be. There's some like players that will definitely try to like just carry and do everything on their own, but for the most part, you'll see the pro player covering gaps, making making their teammates feel more comfortable by like allowing them to play how they usually would want to, and just like accommodating. Mm -hmm. Which just boosts like the other team like tenfold. Like it'll make it from a team that would have a lot of flaws and mistakes to a team that has fluidity and like just like square up to like anybody. <laughs> huh. And the and the one pro player can just do that. 
the one pro player can make the difference by just solidifying a team. Yeah. Talk about that. What what does that what does that mean? How does how does one do that? It's um so I think from example, uh, I have a from last season. It was uh I was solo queuing up to SSL and then I ran into Mile, who I'd mm-hmm. say is like a top thirty six North American team player right now. Because he just got kicked off of power, unfortunately, before this split. Right. And the way they just like fill gaps, it's like, you'll think there's an opening from what you're saying from the other two players, but that cadence that's shown between the other two is broken by the co- consistency and just like mechanical ability of the pro player. That they'll just be there. <laughs> we ended up winning the game regardless, but... I definitely feel if it was any other player that wasn't a pro on that team, the score would have been very, very different. Mm-hmm. How do they? How do they do that? I, I, it, I'm, I'm getting so worked up thinking about this because it really fascinates me, and I, I think about this more and more about like I was a big basketball player growing up, mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, do you watch basketball at all? Do you do you know basketball at all? I mean. We don't even have to talk basketball. We can talk soccer. Your name yeah. is Messi. You understand <laughs> you understand soccer. Like yeah. there are people on a soccer pitch that can just do things. Like they're human, right? But then you have yeah. Messi, you have people like Ronaldo that just like do things with the body, the same body that you know all of us humans have but they have this control and understanding of themselves in the game that they can just do things different. Yeah. It's like, and it, it boggles my mind. I already compared. It's like, like a player like Messi. He just, you'll see him on the field. You'll see him walking around the field when most players are hustling to a ball. And it's because he has that knowledge and that vision to know where like the play is going to happen. Right. And then there's some pro players that also fit that category. I'd say, like I think a player that embodies that really well is Kesa's Rise. Like Rise on Team Kesa right now, he has Joyo and Vatira, who are both just mechanically insane. Joyo comes from a freestyling background; he was on Pulse as well. And having that third player who's not like a mechanical maniac, like being able to solidify, being able to cover for their teammates, like steal boosts, create demos, make openings. Having that one player be able to do that, like makes the makes the that's the other two players do like almost whatever they would want to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. How how can you how can somebody like put that into effect in a lower rank? Mm, well, in a lower rank. There tends to be a lot of distrust between teammates, very heavy distrust. So it's mainly, if I were to say, and it's really hard because it's like everything is very different. So what I would say is just try to like try to be a solid teammate for the most part. And it's like another thing that's really really big is morale. Oh yeah, the psychological like part of this game is in so insane. Like, I always abide by a rule. It's like, Rocket League is a 90% mental and, like, 10% rotation and mechanics. If you're not mentally in the right, like, place, if you're not mentally feeling okay, like, you're just not going to perform. You're not mm-hmm. going to perform as well as you would want to. 
who's just staying calm, knowing that your teammates will make mistakes even at the highest level, being able to cover those mistakes, just move and just keep the play moving. Then, of course, when you score a goal, like, even if it's, like, a very sloppy and, like, just bad goal, even just saying nice shot just just to make everybody feel better on the team. How have you kept your mentality and and mental in a good place to make it to where you have gotten and continue to strive for more? Yeah. So I usually follow a rule to myself whenever I'm playing like threes. It's like I'll play until I lose like one or two games in a row for the most part. Or if I lose the first game, I'll just play until I lose another one. So it's like just keeping myself at that. Makes it so I don't lose more and more and more and get more and more frustrated. And I just come back when I'm feeling mentally refreshed again. And coming in with a better mentality. And like, for my push to SSL, it was in like three short spurts. Because I dropped down pretty low to 1670, which is around high GC2. And then in one session, went from 1670 to like 1730. Another session from 1730 to 1800. And then another session from 1800 to SSL. So it was just... Like for me, it's just small sessions with good mental and like just putting forth your best effort. Like that's where you'll see like the most results the fastest for me. Mm-hmm. How how have you trained your mechanics over all of that time? Would I mean you said that you were considered a mechanical player? Would you still consider yourself a pretty mechanical guy? Uh, yeah. I'd like to consider myself so pretty mechanical. It's just sitting in free play, honing the mechanics in. I'd go into, I'd grind casual a lot. So I'm very high in casual. So that's a really, really good place to face great opposition and be able to practice mechanics. And it's like, you see like this, like the stages of just how mechanics have developed over the years, because I'd say the first high level mechanic I've practiced was probably ceiling shots back in like diamond three. Mm-hmm. And then, like, now, like, nowadays, I can hit a flip reset musty flick double tap. So it's just the way that you compound mechanics on top of one another, refining one, then adding the next, like, cog on top of it, and just a stacking of mechanics, knowing that you can bring out a mechanic at any moment if given, like, if necessary. Always having, like, those, like, two, three mechanics in your back pocket to pull out at any time for any play. It's just like having those things makes it makes it so that like uh, uh getting better mechanically happens faster, at least for mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Do you okay, so ceiling shots. Do you feel like you just practice ceiling shots over and over again, or were there things that you worked on to kind of make those easier? Or like how did the mess that is a diamond three going for a ceiling shot turn into you having that ready in your back pocket. Just practicing new angles for the same mechanic. Cause no, like, like sure. Like sometimes like you'll go for like the shot, like sub, like several times and it'll be the same, but there's always that one time where like, if you have someone challenging you, you're going to have to shift the angle at which you do a shot. And just being able to adjust to different angles and like hitting the same the same like variant of a shot from anywhere just boosts like how much better you are at it. And of course, like being able to add other mechanics into it, like throwing in like a musty flick, which you practice separately and hone it and then try to put it on top. It's just 
you need to get like if you want to like practice like an advanced mechanical play you have to make sure that the basics behind that mechanic are solidified first because if you want to get good at like a flip reset or something you got to make sure your aerial car control is refined what does refined mean uh by refined i would say like if you're not comfortable going up and being able to get like a solid hit upward like air dribbles and stuff like going for a flip reset will be a little bit harder because if someone's like let's say like a plat who's like that mechanic looks cool let me practice that (laughs) odds are they're gonna get it like one out of 20 times but then if you have like because i didn't start practicing flip resets until i hit gc so when i started practicing flip resets i already had that advantage i'm like okay my aero car control is somewhat solid it's pretty good so when I started practicing it, instead of getting it like one out of 20 times, I'd get it like one out of 10, one out of five. And the more and more you practice that, the better it gets. So it's just having the base behind a mechanic ready just makes it like miles easier. <laughs> do you feel Do you feel like practicing that mechanic, though, helped refine your mechanics further? Or do you feel like you already had a really good foundation and and so it was more just getting the understanding of how to execute it? Uh, So the way I see it when it comes to mechanics is even though a mechanic like as simple as like a wave dash, there's a lot of complexity behind it because you got to make sure your car's angled right when you're flipping down and everything, right? And it's just as you're practicing and refining a mechanic that's that's seemingly advanced, you're also practicing all those basics that sit behind it and lie behind that advanced that advanced thing of the mechanic. So once you hit like mastery in a mechanic, you're also achieving mastery in all the basics behind it simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Which makes it so if you have to apply one of those basics into another mechanic or add that mechanic on top of another learning that new mechanic just becomes so much easier because you already have that established base. Hmm. Mechanic. I, yeah, I think, I think right now with where I'm at with rocket league, like I, I can see all of the, like, I wouldn't say that I, don't feel like I have any more opportunity to grow. And yet I feel, I see all these little mistakes, these little issues that I have, and they just kind of like peer out every now and then. And I don't necessarily know how to work on them. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't necessarily have a solution for my problems right now. Yeah. That's why I like, Whenever you're trying to review like a replay as well, it's like never look at it from your perspective because you're going to be biased with your perspective. Even if you're trying not to be, you're going to be. Also getting like input from other people, like having other like hiring people who are like very experienced look at replays because when I was coming up, I had a really good friend of mine. Like I think he stopped playing the game now, but he hit, he like peaked at like GC2 back when I was like a champ. And he did a lot of coaching. So I would have him like go over my replays, tell me what I'm doing wrong, tell me what to practice. So I would go through that. And of course, like I was just a bit rebellious, so I wouldn't do it sometimes. 
but when I did, I saw I saw results like somewhat like like somewhat fast. Mm-hmm. So just so, having like other people look at your stuff makes it makes it nice. What were what were some of those mechanics things that you really worked on or or paid attention to as you were going through the champ region? Route champ. Hmm. I also practice a lot of double taps in champ, yeah. Mm-hmm. And like the champ area is like, it's they have so much variety because you either have someone who only practices mechanics, someone who only practices rotation and has solid rotation. So it's like a whole like like just whole pool of everything. But as it when it came to me, what I would do is just I I was I just practiced mechanics the whole time. Mm-hmm. I couldn't care like less about rotation. That's why I was a twos main when I was in champ, because like in twos you can be mechanical and carry compared to threes. Sure. In threes, like you you in threes you can carry while being mechanical, but there's more people to get around, so your like mechanical ceiling has to be a lot higher <laughs> to be able to actually right. do that successfully. And I I feel like that's very possible. Like you as in SSL, even probably. I mean, do you think you could beat three champ threes as a low SSL? Hmm. On a good day, it'd be close. But normally, no. Probably hmm. not. What do, you, what do you think would be in your way with that? It's just managing my boost. Because the way that I play, I have a tendency to subconsciously have in my mind all right my teammates here and here so if you strip that away and just leave me on my own my subconscious like i'll see three people on the other side Mm. so my subconscious is just running and being like hey you got teammates right but then when i realize that i don't i'm i just i have to change what i'm like doing and everything so it just makes it a lot harder to get around them and not to mention like they can coordinate what they want to (laughs) do to some degree they can start demo chasing doing a bunch of stuff do you feel like uh I mean this is probably the case even in like GC3 low SSL high GC2 that there are those players that are clearly just more mechanically gifted and then there are the players that are just kind of there because they have a good enough mix of everything to help them sustain. Yeah. It's um I love to use Cruncho as an example comparing him to me because we've played a little bit quite a quite a bit. It's like I see him as that rotation player. He has mm. a lot of speed, but in terms of mecha- the mechanical arsenal, there's not a lot. But due to his sheer speed and consistency and being able to rotate, he is where he is, right? Mm-hmm. When it comes to me, I have a lot of mechanics that I know and I can do, but when it comes to my rotation, it's not the greatest. So if I heavily focus on my rotation, my mechanical stuff becomes slightly diminished, mm-hmm. which makes it a lot more easier to play, of course, because the rotate having a solid rotation is definitely what you would want in threes mm-hmm. for sure. But that difference, yeah, like even like at the highest level, you can definitely see, all right, that guy is mechanical. <laughs> and then you can see like another person, you keep like, okay, that guy knows rotation. <laughs> yeah. So So even at the highest level, that difference is very, very clear to see. Do you feel like you pick up on that pretty quick when you're solo? But I'm sure you see a lot of the same people regularly. 
Oh, when I do queue, yeah, you you see people that you've seen before, yeah. And like, when it comes to solo queuing, like I almost I just don't do much flashy stuff, almost never. Mm-hmm. Just focus on the core core mechanics, and of course, like stuff that you would call basic at SSL is not basic for others, right? Sure. So it's like having those like basic mechanics for where I'm at solidified, and just playing off of that, playing a normal rotational game. I'm bringing out those great mechanics when I need to and see an opportunity where it can be useful is really nice. How do you, I think the thing about, like you said earlier about mile, just kind of like filling in the cracks and always being where he needs to be in this, in this SSL game. I feel like that is just SSLs in general. So what, you know, what, what makes a pro different or what makes you different in turn? And obviously mechanics are one thing in my experience of playing with like higher level players and casual when I'm playing casual and, you know, we get like an SSL or something like that. It always seems like they are in, they're just in the spot that they need to be. And then of course, and I'll take that a step further. It's not just that they're in a spot that they need to be. It's that they're in a spot where then they can actually do something with the ball. I feel like, you know, when I was playing earlier, not even intentionally, I mean, I guess it is intentional because that's what's happening. But like when when I go for the ball, I'm getting to it where the only option that I really have is some kind of like boom downfield. And I don't know if that's just the chaos of the game or me not making enough um, thorough rotations or, you know, one of my teammates might miss. So we kind of have to like pick up the pieces. But like if you've played with champ players recently, like what do you what do you see is the difference? What do you feel like the difference is that and like in terms of your decision making or how you look at the game, how does that create an advantage for you? It's um having the knowledge of rotation and where the ball's gonna be and having that mechanical ability allows you to see the field a lot with a lot more depth and be able to do a lot more. So let's say, for example, someone booms the ball downfield and you, you catch the ball. Most people have a tendency to just wanna like take it up the wall, do something, right? If you take just like a half second and look around you and see where everybody is, you can make a more calm and like and like properly assess the situation and see what you can do, and see if the situation like is open for a wall play, or if not, just go for a fake, go for a pass. And it's just being able to read the field is definitely like very helpful because it'll give you a lot more options to do. And of course, like if you don't have the mechanics, you're not going to be able to do a lot of that stuff. But even so, just having good knowledge of the field will enable you to have more options just in general. How do I create that half second, though? Like, I think almost that little tidbit right there is one of the hardest things, is being in the right spot so that you can be ready to take that half second to read the field. Yeah. A tendency that a lot of lower players have is that they'll be sitting in the right spot as the ball's approaching to them. 
what a higher level player will do is they'll be arriving at that spot as the ball is getting to them. Which means they have more momentum. They can move at a faster pace with the ball. Which means they can more easily outplay other people. And it's like developing that half second takes so many hours of just like looking around. It's like, and I'll, that's another thing. I'll have my audio cranked up in the game as well because I'm lazy to use turn off my ball cam. I won't lie. I'm very lazy about it and using my right stick. So I just crank up the audio and listen to the like the engines and see and see what they, and just listen to where they are. So instead of moving my right stick, I'll just use audio cues hmm. as my indicator. How how can one practice or how does one get better at this arriving? And I f- okay. So I guess the next thought is. So you're arriving at the spot instead of waiting at the spot. Yeah. So many things are coming up for me because like if I'm arriving at the spot when it happens, if I'm going supersonic or going really fast, how do I create possession or like actually do something productive with the ball if I'm going so fast? Or do you create Um, possession in some other way than like your very first touch? And of course, it's not always like black and white. You don't do the same thing every time. But like Rocket League is so fast. Like how do you how do you control the game? It's like I usually don't like to be supersonic if if I'm trying to get to something. Being at that like this is what my like my homie that who was a coach told me a lot about. Is that he would tell me you want to be you want to be at a, a tier two speed most of the game because there are like three levels of speed. There's like sitting speed, which is just like regular driving from a standstill, and then tier two speed, which is one flip away from supersonic, and of course supersonic, right? Just being able to sit at that like me- me- medium speed when you're getting it, you can like then push into supersonic as you're getting the ball, and then propel it. So mm. it's just what. <laughs> yeah it's like the way that hold on i'm blanking (laughs) no that's okay yeah so yeah if if the ball would be coming to me like of course the situation's always it's never going to be the same that's the beauty of this game the simplicity of it makes it makes every game be different so depending on the situation i'll either want to catch it at a standstill then outplay or come at it with full speed it's just depending on the situation, you just have to like put yourself in the spots mm-hmm. and then see what works and see what doesn't. And then I, go on. How do you pay attention to your teammates while doing all of this? And like knowing that you know that somebody else isn't going to go and put you in like a horrible situation. Oh, or so I, I'm sure it still happens, right? Like it's still Rocket League. Double commits still happen. Yeah. I think the big difference between like high and low is like double commits are always gonna happen. And it's always the thing of it doesn't matter if you make a mistake. How do you fix that mistake as it has as it's happening? Because I'll see a lot of lower ranks, like they'll start panicking when a double commit happens. Mm-hmm. Instead of being like, okay. If you double commit for a ball, just have one take control and have someone else try to go for a double. But if you're like lower, you just see both people just fighting them, fighting one another for the ball. Mm-hmm. And then causing a 3v1 on the other side of the field. So it's just 
being able to ad- like adjust to mistakes, like being able to fix it on the fly, is what makes a higher rank a higher rank. Even though a mistake happens, it's almost as if it never happened, <laughs> because they'll be able to they'll they'll correct it like at a very very, yeah. very fast pace. Well, and I think one thing I was watching some pro replays earlier today, just trying to like take some kind of tidbits away from them, and I think. One of the things that interests me is even though the game is played at such a higher speed, and this was just this was just ranked with pros. It wasn't like a RLCS match or a scrim or anything. Yeah. Is how how much they don't pay attention to the ball. Yeah, like when they're rotating, they'll take three or four seconds and just not have ball cam on at all. Yeah, it's a. Um... When it comes to Rocket League, a lot of the stuff that's important happens off the ball. Like, mentally counting how much boost you have, how much boost your enemies have, how long it's going to take for a boost pad to respawn, what way an enemy is facing, because that also gives you a lot of indicators. And then the person on the ball, like, the way their car is moving lets you know what they might go for and narrows down the options of what you have to do. So a lot of the stuff that that happens with the ball is it like like it's dictated by what happens off the ball? Mm. Because some teams like to control boosts, so they know their enemies don't have a lot of boosts. So all they have to do is just keep playing it until they like run out of resources, and then teams that de- do demo plays like there's one less person off the field now. There's an opening, so it's just a lot, a lot of things: demos, boost possession. Who's on the ball? Who's off the ball? What are they doing with and without the ball? And when's, if ever, do you feel like you've been stuck at a rank? Um, happened a lot. Yeah. I first hit 1700 in season 14. And then I didn't, and I sat between the 1700 range until last season when I got my SSL. So Mm -hmm. I sat in like 1700 for five seasons, which is a very, very long time. And then of course, when I was like in champ, I'd get stuck in champ for a couple of months as well. But it's, uh, you'll have that like realization, that moment of realization where you're like, that's the mistake I'm making. Then once you realize it and then fix it, it's like, you'll see like a whole world of difference because that was the difference last season for me. Because I was still like just ball chasing, trying to like fix mistakes as fast as I could. But I'm just like, I can let the enemy have the ball. Like, I don't have to rush it. I can let them flush out their play and then interrupt it a little Mm -hmm. bit. So it's just like small things, like just being more patient, like letting my teammates like do like a good chunk of work. So you feel like you were trying to get back into into things too quickly? yeah so what i would i what i did is like instead of speed flipping to everything i throw in a front flip once in a while like not use boost when i was rotating back sometimes just so i could get there slower to be there at the right time because when you get higher and higher in ranks it's um it's wild because you'll you'll actually see more space because that level of respect that the enemies and teammates give you is much higher. Sure. 
So that's why I feel like I'm 1,800 in twos and threes, but there's more space in threes than there is twos, despite there being two extra players on the field. Mm-hmm. And that's mostly just because people can do so much with the ball. Yeah. And that's what the, I I think that's that's the craziest thing for me in kind of a realization of high level Rocket League is that when mistakes happen, it can be so much more devastating because of what people are capable of doing in a retaliation. Yeah. And like, I also find myself like most people think a mechanical player would be well suited for like a first man or a second man. But I came to the realization that the most mechanical player on the team is a great third man. They'll be really good at being a third man because they can initiate counterattacks at such a blistering speed mm-hmm. and with such mechanical knowledge, like you're just going to get caught out. Like mm-hmm. when it comes to NRG, like Justin is like a great third man because he he's so mechanical. He can save a lot of things, but once he gets the ball and gets possession, the attack that happens at like during that counterattack is so intense. Mm-hmm. So I found myself being a lot happier being the third man because it also gave me a chance to practice my defense. So it would just make the game feel a lot better. And I would be getting a lot more assists than goals, which I was very happy about. And I honestly, I feel like having those assists made me feel like I was playing a lot better because I'm like, I helped a teammate score a goal instead of being like, I 3v1 to get a goal. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it was like, just a much more gratifying feeling. How did you come upon this realization? It was just honestly out of the blue. <laughs> I was sitting at like 1800 for like a couple of weeks and I'm like, how do I make this break? And then it just kind of clicked. I don't really know how to explain it. It just kind of clicked in my head. I'm like, dude, I've been playing like a dumbass this whole time. It's <laughs> <laughs> just stopped doing that shit. So then I stopped it and it was crazy. I, I went. I think like on the same day I went like seven and one and then took a little bit of a break and came back and then went three and one and got my SSL. And I'm like, dude, that's sick. <laughs> and I have and this was all because you just like chilled out a little bit, basically. Yeah. I I just played slower. Yeah. Do you know your average speed? Like do you look on ball chasing and know the average speed that you play at? Oh, shit! I could take a look at it right now. Would you? Would you can say that you move around the field faster than most people, or are you pretty standard for an SSL player? Oh uh, wait, how do I look at it again? I'm here right now. So you can go to a well. You can go to your profile and then scroll down a little bit, and it, your average speed is there as compared to the community. Oh, I see it. Average stats. All right. Is this? Oh, and then you can do there. absolute value, and it'll yeah. give you like this the speed. So, I found it. I am at supersonic speed, fourteen percent of the match. Mm. Boost speed a little bit higher, and slow speed a little bit less. Yeah. yeah. So somewhere around there, it should have like an actual numeric value for your average. Unreal units per second or whatever it is. Yeah, I see it. Fifteen fifty six. Okay, so that's pretty standard for an SSL player. 
because I know some people are just like around the map all the time. Go, 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 go. Do you feel like you want to be faster still or what, what do you see as your opportunity for immediate improvement? It's like being more opportunistic. It's like being able to bring out that speed when it's absolutely necessary. It's like, it's like, oh, it's so hard to explain. I'm so sorry. It's, uh, yeah, you're doing fine. Having the mechanics to be able to outpace someone at any moment, the speed to do it at any moment, because that's what makes great players great, is they can do that when the moment requires it at any given time. Because I wouldn't say I'm able to do that yet. There's sometimes we'll all just panic and then just backflip. Mm. So that consistency that they have to do it when the situation is required of them is very, it's, it's insane. Do you feel like there is still even at where you're at, part of it just being making sure that you are doing it at the right time as well? Yeah. Timing is very important as well. For sure. Because I feel like I I want to try things or do things in my games that I maybe can't necessarily do. And so I will turn the ball over, you know, in my own half. So when I do end up playing in like lower lobbies on occasion with friends is like my like pace of play is like so much more slower. But just because I know the timing and what to do at what time, I can outplay them with ease. Mm hmm. So it's like having that timing and then throwing the speed and mechanics on top of it is that difference. Mm -hmm. Like I can probably do two of those things at once, but a pro can do all three simultaneously at any moment. Well, my consistency is going to be a lot less. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's the thing of it, especially when I've played higher level players and and watch replays back as well you know the thing that i notice is that they go for the ball less it's it and this is kind of redundant i know that we talked about this a little bit before and i mm-hmm. still feel like it's it's extremely meaningful for me because they will it's almost like you know they know their threat levels and then they wait yeah for that possession to clearly be coming to an end. And then they're right there to actually do something with the ball. Yeah. Being able to risk assess is very, very important. Cause a lot of people, they're like, I have a slim chance of winning this 50. So I'm going to go for it. Whereas a hiring person's like, if I don't have at least like a 70% chance of winning this 50, I ain't going for it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then just let them like hit the ball to them. So it's just like going for stuff with higher success rates makes everything a lot better. So instead of going for like an insane like freestyle shot that has like a 3% chance of going in, just go for an extended possession into a passing play over time. Because not only does not only does it whittle down the timer and on the clock, it also gives you like more possession, gets in the enemy's heads, like then you get a goal out of it as well. So then how does someone like you learn how to take advantage of situations and be in the right spot and all of these things at a at a completely different level? 
this. A lot of repetition and then a lot of just reviewing what you're doing. Because what you think you're saying, everyone else on the field sees it differently for the most part. So do you look at, do you watch a lot of replays from other people's perspective then? When I end up, when I do end up watching my replays, yeah, I'll see it from my teammate's perspective or the enemy's perspective. And I'll also like review like the goals because most goals that happen, the process behind that goal is happening 30 seconds prior. That's when the mistake first happens. And then over time, then they get the goal. So you said when you do watch replays, is that something that is part of your routine or you don't see a lot of value in it? Uh, I need to do it a lot more. I just don't do it a lot or as much as I should. But that's probably because due to the amount of games that I play, there's not really a lot to watch. So probably the more that I play and the more I get comfortable and the more that I'm comfortable sitting at that SSL level, I'll be reviewing my replays more and more and more, like looking at them. Also using six, also playing six mans, getting good value out of those replays. Yeah, so just all of that. So as you get more comfortable, you'll watch more. Uh, no, the more that the, when I play more. Because, like, if I play, like, let's say, like, a five five games, I'll watch, like, one or two that I, like, like very, like, I can tell, all right, I made a lot of mistakes. Let's look sure. at that. So, yeah. with a bigger sample size, I'll be forced to watch a lot more replays. <laughs> mm. Or just yeah. force myself into watching more replays as well. I mean, I wouldn't expect that you're watching every single replay of every game that you play. That just seems no <laughs> unreasonable. Yeah. Like... You mainly want to look at the losses because that's where the mistakes are going to be seen the most. Mm -hmm. So if I have like a, a session where I go seven and two, I'll mainly look at those two replays that I lost very intently, but I'll also pick out a really close game from one of one of the winning replays and look at that. So, so even like mm -hmm. no, go ahead. So it's like even like the winning games, like if they're a cl it's a close game. It's still worth looking at it. But if it's not a close game, then it was either just a wash or it was just you crushed. Yeah. How do you what the what the heck are you doing now like training wise? What do you spend your time doing? How do how do how do you get better at this point? <laughs> at the point that I'm at, I'm honestly just playing a lot of extra modes right now. <laughs> been having a lot of fun doing that i found a friend group on that every, like i think most of the players in that friend group are on xbox so i'll talk to them to like the xbox game bar function through windows mm -hmm. and we'll just run it up on the extra modes we'll play that it's a lot of fun and then i'm in a very happy and like good mood so then i'll hop into regular training and then go into regular games with like a very like clear and like happy mindset and of course i'll also practice and refine the mechanics that i need to because a big thing that a lot of people like to do They'll practice stuff that they're bad at before matches. And that's not what you want to do. You want to practice what you're good at. Make sure that you're confident with what you're doing. And then go into game. And then after those games, practice what you're bad at. Because then when you play the next day, you're going to see the results of what you practiced that you were bad at when it does happen. Because if you practice a f like flip resets before a match and you're not good at them, and you go for one and you don't get it, you're going to be sad because you're like, I just practiced it. Why am I bad at it? 
But if you practice it after a session, hop off, then get back on the next day, practice the good stuff you're good at, go into a game, and then hit it, and get a goal, you're going to be like, holy shit, the practice I did was good. Aw, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What are you bad at? Ah, power sliding. My power sliding is so bad. (laughs) So bad. Wait, so I'm talking to a guy that is SSL, and you're talking about just power sliding. Yeah. What the heck? My my power sliding isn't that great. I don't do it as much as I should. Do you know how many power slides you average during a game? Oh. Because that's in Ball Chasing 2. Uh, where is it? Is it? Oh. I don't know if it gives you like an actual number on your profile or not, but it's six six point seven per minute, which is lower than the population average. Oh yeah, yeah. I would be because I don't know the exact numbers. I know that Justin power slides a ton. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I and he also plays fast. Like it's I don't know, it's just such a different game. Like it it blows my mind. Yeah. And it's it, like what I'm well now when I say that I'm bad at parasites, it's like when I do do them, it's good. I just don't do them as much as I should in the situation that required it. What would benefit like what benefit would you get out of power sliding? Landing smoothly, being able to keep your momentum that you built up. If you get bumped, landing with power sight and then recovering. Oh, so not necessarily turning. No. But just like holding power slide. Just like when I'm landing and holding it to make sure that momentum that I'm being given from like flying and then landing is not lost when I turn. Oh or I my land gosh. And then you just out. blew my mind. Like yeah. I wonder if a I wonder if a replay counts a like landing and holding power slide to keep momentum as a power slide. Should, yeah. Right. I'm. I mean, I don't know how it would differentiate, and using. Yeah. I mean, using that button and like sliding along the wall, or if you're you know landing backwards and you use power slide and then you hold that to yeah. then do like a half flip. I mean little little adjustments to be able to keep that speed changes changes a lot yeah and it's also the amount that you hold it you usually don't want to hold it for a long time like i think the good solid amount of time that you want to like hold the button for is like a tenth of a second that's a good time all you're doing is just tapping it to make sure all right momentum and then keep going but there's some situations where you do want to hold it a little bit longer but they're not going to be as pronounced but for the most part you just want to do like small little taps or as flakes likes to likes to say just power side cuts just practice power side cuts wait who likes to say that flakes flakes is that like the licks jump licks no flakes oh flakes i heard licks Okay. No, no, flakes, flakes. Yeah. Because the way he plays is very simple, but very effective. He knows how to maintain his speed. Knows, like, all right, I don't have to do a lot of flashy stuff. Just simple mechanics are going to get the job done. And he's a really high-level 1v1 player because of it. Right. Simple, but simple at, like, a pro-level simple. Yeah. 
how can one I'm how do I how do I get better mechanically? Mechanically it's just investing a lot of time into like hold on into training those mechanics, like free play and like custom training. And then putting them into effect in games. It's like like sure you want to practice what you're good at before a game, right? But if you're doing like casual stuff, just go for it. Like even if you think you're gonna mess it up, go for it. Because the only way you're gonna learn is by fucking it up. That's the only way you're gonna be able to learn how to do it is if you mm-hmm. mess it up constantly. Mm-hmm. Because then you'll have that realization. You're like, okay, that's what I'm doing wrong. Then you make like small adjustments at, over time, and then you'll reach that point where you're like, all right, now I'm doing it consistently. Hmm. So when you when you've been learning these mechanics, I'm sure there's been some adjustments little adjustments or learnings about like how to do them better or how to do them differently or things that you might be messing up and this i i think also goes back to what you said about this realization that you had to completely you know change your game or make a really big change that allowed you to rank up like how how are you looking at the game or how are you coming at the game to allow yourself to like learn these things or figure these things out on a, on a regular basis like my approach to the game is like if you're playing the game and you're not having a good time just don't play but that's the point of games first and foremost have fun that's the first thing so if you're having fun and you're enjoying the game then i feel like just wanting to learn and get better is going to happen naturally right so for me, it's like, if I'm having a lot of fun and I see a mechanic that looks really, really cool, I'll go ahead and practice it, try to learn it. Like recently, like the wall dash has become a lot more prominent. So I learned how to do it and I have decent consistency with it. So I'll pull it off in games and do it. And then, of course, when the speed flip first got introduced by Musty, like I started practicing that. And now I've gotten pretty consistent at that. So it's just like practicing stuff that you find cool is really, really nice. Because it like gives you a really like like warm and like happy feeling. You're like, I practice what I wanted to practice, and now I'm good at it. But also practicing other stuff that'll be useful in games is also very important. Like your half flips, your wave dashes, your fast serials. Mm-hmm. In your opinion, how does somebody practice effectively? Because obviously you've learned all of this stuff, and there are plenty of people that like don't learn or practice and don't necessarily get anywhere what's what's the difference what do you feel has been a a secret op like an opportunity for you to get to where you want to be when it comes to practicing it's like i like to sit in free play a lot just doodle around because there's a type of training that i like to do called apm training and that kind of training is just Pressing as many buttons as your controller as you can, as fast as you can, but make it useful and efficient, right? And then there's other types of training that I'll do, like aim training. I'll do like aerial car control training. So just depending on what you want to focus on, like have that little thing you can do. Were there, did you use training packs a lot or are you mostly just a free play guy? Training packs, yeah. Because that was the greatest resource back when I was on on Sill and Switch. Sure. 
So do a lot of training packs. And one of the most notable ones that I do was Capert's Aerial Car Control, which I was really, really fond of. And having run into Capert now several times, I just, I'm just like so happy every time I run into it goes on. I'm like, dude, thank you for making that training pack all those years ago. <laughs> when you run a... into him in game. Yeah. <laughs> like I'll run into him occasionally and I'm like, in my head, I'm just like, oh my god, he's the guy that made that training back that I practiced so much. <laughs> it just makes me really happy. Like even like like honestly, like more happy than seeing some pro players sometimes because I'm like, oh my god, you made that. Thanks to you, I got good at that. So it's like, <laughs> you're yeah, seeing he, like, he's yeah. he's your unofficial coach. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And it's crazy how inactive he's been in terms of like creating or doing stuff in the community and yet like his name is so prominent yeah it's like nowadays i'll see him running a lot of hoops and like a lot of threes which is really nice but yeah like him having made that training pack years ago like i still i'll still use it to this day even though it's a lot more like basic and a lot easier now also do it once in a while because i'm just like the training pack is still really good because mm -hmm. the training pack that i'm talking about specifically is like It'll just have the ball sitting in midair in front of the net. So right. You can almost do whatever you would want with it. Like you can go hit it off the backboard, score it in, go off the ceiling, hit it in, hit it with the underside of your car, get a flip reset, then hit it in. So just so, all the things you could do with it. Do you feel like you practice that just going as fast as you could? I mean... Or eventually getting to a place where you're really focused on speed? I just, um, if I'm trying to hone in one thing, then I'll hone in on one thing. But if I'm doing just like my general practice for what I'm playing, I'll just approach it from a lot of different angles, do a lot of weird and quirky shit. Mm. Try to make so, it different every time. Really, it's also just about putting yourself in uncomfortable situations. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what it's all about. That is what it's all about. Yes. Do you see yourself ever getting tired of the game? Um, As it stands right now, probably not. I think something that I did recently that was very helpful for my mental before I go on SSL was for playing Borderlands 3 for the first time. Because I bought it last summer but never gave it a chance. And then between the months of December and January, I dropped 180 hours into that game. <laughs> Jeez. Wait, in two months, you mean? In like a month and a half. Yeah, 180 hours in a month and a half. And I had like 30 on Rocket League in that time. But it was just nice to get my mind off of Rocket League. I'll say I played it every day a little bit, you know, just to make sure I don't didn't lose my level. Mm -hmm. But just having another game that could take that spot temporarily and just not have to worry about rocket league was really really nice how did you feel about rocket league when you came back from that oh it was refreshing yeah the game felt way different <laughs> mm. so yeah. you gave yourself a little off season yeah it wasn't well i wasn't really off off it was just more of like instead of rocket league being the main game it became the side game for that like mm -hmm. the, for that time so in that time, were you training or just playing games, or what did that? What did the slow time look like? Just free play and casual, <laughs> free play and casual. That was pretty much it. No mm. ranked, no nothing that would get my like, get me thinking a lot. 
Hmm. Yeah. What what started that? Like you you just decided, hey, I'm going to play this game, or why did why did you initiate that? I already had it downloaded, and I brought it up to my friend. I was like, hey, I know you played like Borderlands two and one. You down to play Borderlands three with me? And he was like, yeah, I'm so down. So he did that, and then we played a lot. He stopped playing after a little bit and got back into Rocket League again. But I just kept playing the game. <laughs> but why that, Why did you decide to play something else? Uh, that was my first ever game in first person. <laughs> I wanted to play a first person game for the first, for the first time. Because I'd never mm. done that. But it wasn't and like I'll, a frustration with Rocket League or anything like that? No, not really. It was more like on a whim. I'm like, I'm going to try, try to play a first person game and along compounded with just, I need a break at this game for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Have you done yeah. that before? Taking a, taking a break or like really rolled back your hours? Oh uh, yeah, I have. I mean, I've been playing consistently, right? Like almost every day. Cause the longest break that I've taken in the years that I've been playing is a week. That's the longest break I've taken. So it's like, I'll still keep playing, but I'll have another game just take that spot as the game that I'll play the most. Sure. For a while. Yeah. And, I mean, nothing has ever hooked you like Rocket League. I'm sure you probably don't have five or 6,000 hours in, in anything else out there. Nope. The only other game that has, like, a decent amount of hours, <laughs> it was still when it was back on Switch. I had, like, for some reason, I got into, into Fortnite a lot put 1500 hours of Fortnite on switch wow so i did that <laughs> but i think that's the only other game that i put as many hours into it as i have or maybe pokemon probably pokemon let's say yeah but that was like years ago now so there was no proper way of tracking hours so yeah so Fortnite's the only other game that i've put like over a thousand hours into i'd say and what was it about Rocket League over Fortnite that really hooked you? Or... It wasn't, because uh, it was the thing of like, when Fortnite released, my friends got into it on Switch. I had a friend group that I play a lot with on Switch, and they just completely swapped games. But I'm like, I'm going to be half and half. I'm going to like split my time. So then they got really good at Fortnite and just quit Rocket League. But then I'm like, all right, they're too good for me. I'm going to quit Fortnite now. So and I just got better and better at Rock and Pink <laughs> on my own. Mm. So they went Fortnite and you went Rocket League. Yeah, they were they first played Rocket League with me, but then they quit the game. Mm. So I you was said, just like, "Screw I'm, you! I'm playing Rocket League." Pretty much, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like screw y'all. I can get good at Fortnite. I'm gonna get good at car soccer. Fair so enough. So I did that. Yeah. Do you, what do you, what do you see as like your, your North Star, like the end goal? Do you see RLCS as something that's possible for you? Yes, I do. I really, really do. What is it, what is it like being in that kind of a chase and like being, I mean, especially and obviously it's possible. I don't know how long Aqua or Daniel like played Rocket League. I don't know if they started, you know, like when they were in the womb and all of a sudden, you know, now they're just really good because they're legally able to play in RLCS. 
Yeah. But like seeing these guys that kind of are on the come up on the fringes because they're only 14, then they turn 15 and get into RLCS. Like, what is it like for you as somebody that's just kind of still trying to get there, but you're like chasing at the same time, these guys that are still improving? Yeah, it's... um. A player that I'm looking at a lot right now is Rise because Rise is really young, right? He's a uh, 16, I think. But from the last land two years ago, he was at my level. He was like an 1800 player, 1900 player. So in the span of two years, he went from like that SSL level to pro. Mm. So I'm trying to use him as like a as like a time frame because <laughs> I'm like I'll be 20 by the time by the time those two years go by so i'm thinking like 20 is like i still have a good amount of time before like my neuroplasticity is like gone so i'm just thinking like if i can go pro in like a year or two from now that'll be like a really nice time frame because i'll still have quite a long time and of course hoping that the game is still alive and that the change to ue5 doesn't kill off the the player base so it's just um I like to use Rise as a, as an example because I'm like, I did it in two years. I can do it in two years too. <laughs> so you're you're literally on a two year plan. Yeah. And yeah. you're just along for that ride. Mm-hmm. But I gotta keep playing every day. <laughs> yeah. Or try to play every day and make that playing meaningful. <laughs> mm-hmm. So have you? I mean just stopped all extracurricular activities then like and it's just a big focus for you yeah like i pretty much or you're or you're fitting it around everything else uh rocket league's like the center of what i'm doing because i'm also trying to get back into stream i'm trying to get into streaming and doing that as well Mm -hmm. so anytime i play rocket league i'm streaming rocket league (laughs) Mm. so i'll do both of those at once and then all the other time i have it's either like at work or or just sleeping (laughs) got it so do you feel like you lose any focus in your training if you're streaming um sometimes yeah but i do my best to like just not let it because um at the end of the day it's just if i want to end up playing at that rlcs level i gotta get used to people watching me play <laughs> true yeah I mean, at that I... level like especially like if i eventually even want to make a land one day like i gotta make sure like all right there are thousands of people there on twitch only like five people are watching me right now that difference is very big why, why am i nervous with five people <laughs> that difference <laughs> so is... it is a little different yeah, it's it's quite different, yeah. So just uh over time hopefully like building up like my brand, my name, getting more traction, being able to network a little bit better cuz my networking skills have never been great. Mhm. So being able to network, find people that are also really good. So just a lot of that. I feel like that's almost the toughest part right now is is being able to find people that you can kind of put your trust into to like build something with especially on the bubble scene and maybe like right below the bubble scene because these guys are like well if we don't make it work in the next month well i'm just gonna find somebody else and try it all over again yeah which you know 
makes it really difficult when you're competing against these pro teams now to even just get in. It's mm-hmm. it's not easy. Yeah, it's not easy, but the grind never stops. Just got to keep playing, putting in that time. Because the only way I'm going to get better than, than a pro or reach that level, I got to be playing more than them and be willing to put in more time now than they are than mm-hmm. them. To shorten that gap over time. Yeah. Because they're going to get better and better. But the rate that they're going to get better is going to be slower than the rate that I get better if we play the same amount of time. Because they have less to learn. I have more to learn. As long as you are still able to figure out what it is you're trying to learn. Which I think is one of the biggest, you know, challenges out of all of it. Yeah. But it seems like you have a good handle on that. Yeah. So, like, this season with the new car, the Nomad, like, the little minivan car, mm-hmm. I've been rocking that car this, like, it's like all day yesterday and all day today, playing with it. So, it keeps my mind off, like, the placebo and everything, and I can just focus on, like, all right, what am I doing wrong? Just play normally. At the end of the day, it's just another car. <laughs> yeah. So, it's just... uh. What do you think yeah. of the Nomad? I love it. <laughs> I like great. it. I absolutely love it. I did my Rumble placements yesterday and played 10 more games on top of that and got into the top 10 for the leaderboards yesterday. Hey, there you go. Yeah. And I think we went something around the realms of like 17 and 3. It was really nice. So we squeaked into that top 10. And the Nomad is just so much fun because it's like it has that height of the Merc, but it Mm -hmm. doesn't feel as chunky and blocky as the Merc. It actually feels kind of light. Yeah, which I is get what that. I really like about it. So I haven't I actually bought the Rocket Pass yet. Yeah, I didn't buy last season's because I didn't really like anything in it, and like Cosmosis, mm-hmm. like people love Cosmosis, but I'm like, I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, which is like a very like unpopular opinion. But the Nomad, it was just too cute to to pass up. <laughs> <laughs> Amen, and I like that goal explosion too. The, uh, the the nomster goal explosion oh yeah oh, like, have you seen the the antenna at tier yeah. 43 oh <laughs> antenna is so cute i i somebody told me though that it's only for the nomster though that it doesn't turn every it doesn't put a face on every car which i'm no, disappointed yeah. by Still, though, that that antenna is very sick. It's very new compared to everything that we've had before. Yeah, it's really cool. It's it's fun to see them try and execute different things like that. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. Like seeing it's it's almost like seeing this rocket pass. Not that I d- dislike this rocket pass by any means, because I like what they've done. It it gets me more excited to see what they have planned for the next one. Oh yeah, for sure. Because I I think they're doing a lot better at theming and creating continuity in the rocket passes. Uh so it just it gets me enthused to see like how they're going to continue moving it forward. Yeah. And it's also right now like they're forced to split their efforts with everything because they right. have a certain part of like their like the developers working on that UE5 transition right behind everything. Mm-hmm. So like the updates for Rocket League itself are not going to be as frequent. Yeah. And I mean, I get that. And here's the, here's the beautiful thing about Rocket League for me is that 
at the end of the day, as, as long as I can log in and hit a ball with my car and do some silly things with my friends and, you know, play some games, I'm good. You know, I yeah. don't, and every now and then when they put in the heat seeker ricochet or they bring rocket labs back, like whenever they like sprinkle those things out there for us to do, like I'm not a huge rumble guy. I've never played a lot of rumble. So I think the RNG more frustrates me than anything, just because I haven't invested the time to like get used to something like that and get in the mindset of rumble, but like rocket yeah. labs, uh, whatever the heat seeker whenever the nfl does something so whenever there's that like all of those are a lot of fun and i i really enjoy those and i'm excited to try this new game mode that they're going to release in the middle of this season like that's enough for me to like be happy until you know, whatever they bring out with the new version, if there is anything that's like really, really big, which I think yeah. all of us are hoping that, you know, it really changes the game. Yeah. Like the main purpose of the changes is going to be to flesh out more updates, like a lot more, a lot faster. Right. Which means updates now are going to be a lot slower. Right. Which and that's also one of the, that's also one of the reasons why I think they changed like the player count in the game they change it from an actual numerical value to to words because <laughs> they want to like mask it be like hey we're like slowly losing player base but you don't know that <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you can see that on steam i and of course you know the steam player base has been pretty obviously it's gone down and down but like since it's kind of hit its point of where it was before free to play it's stayed pretty constant which of course you would like to see it stay up but i mean it is what it is like at the at the end of the day rocket league is still like a hard game too yeah like it, it's not like you can just and i've i felt it today it's not like you can just log into rocket league and be like yep i'm just gonna have fun because whenever you play the game you're confronted with nothing but like random people that sometimes are grouchy and you make mistakes and you score own goals or you miss the ball like it it re you really have to be in the right mindset to walk away from something like rocket league and just be like yep everything that i just did was fun yeah because that's the main thing with a lot of people is like they'll reach the rank they want to achieve but then they lose like interest they start having no fun with the game and like making sure you're having fun with the game is what's going to allow you to allow you to push higher just like that's it that's that's it really just having fun with the game making sure you're enjoying your time on the game and not having like just stress with it not enjoying yeah. it yeah and i i think that fun certainly looks different for different people and right now i am i am definitely in a phase of my life where fun for me like i can i can hit the ball in the air i can read some double taps and i can you know read stuff off the backboard uh and it's enough to like keep me in the loop with my friends now 
and not feel like I'm way behind or the guy that always loses games. And so like, that's, that's enough for me. I still, I still want to get better. And part of me, you know, wants to, like, I've been trying to find a fortress in my Minecraft world for like an hour and I can't find it, but I'm, I mean, I'm having more fun, like going on that adventure and trying to find that than I would be just sitting at my desk trying to figure out why I can't get this stupid flip reset or practicing level 12 on Lethemir's ring map while I'm being a spinny boy. Because at the end of the day, like Rocket League, whether I'm SSL is still going to be Rocket League and I'm still going to be like, I got to get better. I got to get better. Like I don't see any end game there. Yeah, it's it, like even with like pros, like you'll see like teams like NRG, it's like they'll be like laughing and like trolling at the highest level <laughs> and they'll still be winning games, which is just amazing to see because like they'll still have that drive. They're like, sure, we're at the highest level, but you never know when new blood is going to come up and just like snatch our, snatch our spot. Right. So, yeah, and that yeah. could be any time. Yeah. Especially with uh, BDS this past fall major just they were like a menace in season season 10 season x in europe mm-hmm. and people were like oh they can't reproduce that level at land and then when like this season started at like online they weren't that great and by not great they weren't winning <laughs> right but they were still up there and so then when they won the major like people were like okay they are like actually backing up their level they're actually really good so now well, it's like even if a go ahead well, I was just going to say BDS, especially at the major, was a really interesting story because it was really Dignitas that everybody was talking about and yeah. and really just scrub this season in general was, you know, I mean, how many teams has he just bombed out on over the past yeah. couple of years? And when they signed scrub, I was like, oh, geez, you know, here we go again. Yeah. Because he did good on Guild for a while, then dropped. Singularity did pretty good, dropped. Mouse Esports, he quit like halfway through the season. So, But now he's finding his level again, which is really, really nice. Yeah, I mean, and he's kind of a heel in in a way, like with Rocket League, in my opinion, just because of... I mean, it just seems like he wasn't the best teammate, and I'm never one to, like root against somebody like i'm i'm happy for him and i was surprised honestly that dignitas wasn't able to pull out the fall major it really seemed like they just had it locked in and they i mean they were certainly the favorites um do you know is is sandrock gaming gonna be full force for this major yes they do have the full roster okay it was looking like our TRK wasn't going to make it due to exams once again, but he managed to, the exams were delayed. So he'll actually be there. Okay. We'll so have the full roster this time around. Yeah. That'll be really interesting to see how and they're they do. a team who I can see taking the whole major. Totally. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm very intrigued to see how they do. It'll, it'll be an exciting weekend for sure. I'm, I'm pretty pumped that I get to be there and see it. I had front row tickets for the LAN in Dallas. Front row. 
and then it was oh, canceled. Oh, season nine. Yeah, Damn. yeah. Oh, dude, it was it was canceled. Uh, and then I just I knew that I was gonna miss most of this land, and I saw the tweet or something about the tickets going on sale. So I was like, you know, whatever. I'll hop on see if I can get a ticket. And when I got into the, like the arena to find my seat there were maybe like a hundred seats left. And I was like, oh my gosh, like it went yeah. so fast because I had to register on Ticketmaster. I didn't have an account. So I had to go through all of that. And then yeah. I, I got, you know, probably one of the last hundred tickets. And I really just bought it because I was like, oh, well, I want whatever item they're going to give away for going to the land. And then I talked to my wife and we were like, well, you know, let's just go for the last day and and make it happen. And so here we go. I'm I'm pumped. Yeah. And also like if I recall, I think they only gave out items from Worlds, if I recall. Those, I mean, there's Did they say like is that an official thing? Well, it's just what that's the only thing they've given out items for in the past. But I think they might give it an item for this being the first in-person land after a while. Yeah, I mean, well, we we'll never had see. we never had a land that was an official RLCS land that wasn't World. So this is like the first major land since all of this kind of came into play. So yeah, I was just kind of assuming then it was just League play, then one World, and League play right. then one Worlds. Right. But now it's like. Three regionals major, three regionals major, three regionals major worlds. So it's just, right. it's a lot different now. Mm-hmm. I am, uh, I'm hoping so exciting that they have to, something. Because we'll get four in-person lands a year. <laughs> I know, right? Is yeah. it, it's, it's crazy. And so as somebody that's been a fan of RLCS, how do you feel about this change? Um, I like it. I like it quite a lot. But I've seen like a lot of pro players like talking about it, and I can definitely see how like each split having a different format just kind of fucks with them. Because the last yeah. the format for the first split was Swiss stage into into single Elam, but right. then this one it's groups into upper bracket, lower bracket, right? and then bracket reset. Mm-hmm. So it's like I felt like. And then, then for the next split, I have no idea what's gonna what's what it's gonna be. So it's just for them, it's like from the pro player's perspective, I'm like, dude, it must suck like having to like play with a new like format. Well, like one format would have helped you, the other one's hurting you. So it's just yeah. It'll be interesting to see if they take that feedback. Yeah. Because I've been listening to Rizzo's like been doing his own podcast as well. He uploaded on YouTube like three hours long. So I've been like, I watched like the first episode or two of it. And it's like, he'll gather like a bunch of players from like a bunch of people from the pro scene. He'll gather casters, analysts, mm-hmm. pro players, like content creators. Yeah. But just having all of those like people from the community bringing in their own like input just like opens your eyes to the situation. It's like, okay, there's so many different perspectives from so many different players. Oh gosh, yes. And people. So it's just. It makes it nice having the full picture. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, we only have one split left and then a major. And who knows what they will announce for the next season. Like, especially yeah. now that it's kind of the official just RLCS. 
uh, you know, I feel like the turnaround will be a lot faster this time. You know, it seemed like we were waiting ages for our LCS. So yeah. I'm, I'm guessing that the turnaround will be faster. The additions will be even more and there might be some more clarity on or like consistency on what what exactly they do it'll it'll be interesting to see what how how rlcs continues to evolve but i i certainly like the longer seasons i think something yeah. for like bubble teams would be nice to give them like more opportunities to compete and i feel like you know that might be somebody else picking up that slack a little bit as well yeah. it's because like especially with this new system is like teams are playing a lot more series than they were before because with the old system like season eight, season nine, you would if you were a really good team, you only had to play like twelve series to make worlds. Mm -hmm. Only twelve. Right. Whereas now is like you have to play a whole year. You're playing like so many. <laughs> yeah. I think with this current format, actually let, let me just crunch numbers in my head real quick. <laughs> I have a lot of fun doing this. Let's see. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, you could play a, a max of up to 10 series in one regional. In one. Yeah, so With that's the current 30. Teams, which is 30, yeah. Which is crazy, because that's 150 individual matches. That's the max if you go to game fives every time, which isn't likely. But that's the max, whereas before, like 12, you're playing like less than 100 matches. Mm-hmm. And just having teams be consistent over that period of time over several regionals will like give you like a more clear definition of like, all right, they deserve to be here. But then yeah. there's some teams that unfortunately get given get get given like horrible groups like Luminosity being in BDS's group two regionals in a row, despite them being a great team. So it's like it also depends like the luck of the draw and like stuff of that. Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And clearly, it's just like different people showing up in different splits. Like, where was Queso? Where was Queso in the fall? Yep. They were there, and I feel like they were playing, but then all of a sudden they just start winning. Mm -hmm. It's it's pretty. And then Vitality, you know, was on the verge of disappearing, and then now they're gone. Like, they don't yeah. even matter anymore. They literally came out of nowhere and took the RLCS RLCS X like championship from BDS's hands. Then after that, it was just downhill. downhill yeah. Well, and they still have a chance. Like they could still make it to Worlds and do it all over again. Who knows? Yeah, but they pretty much have to win like every regional. And now another thing that's going to suck for them is they don't have the auto qualifier spot anymore for the regionals, which means they have to make the regionals through close qualifiers. Really? Wait, how do yeah. those work? So for each regional, the top eight teams on the overall standings for the whole season get auto-qualified. Were they not even regional. top eight? No, they were for this split. But as it stands right now, if I were to check Wikipedia real quick, uh, 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 they are sitting, they're sitting in seventh. Which means there's a really good chance. Oh, because they're not in the major. No, so they're not getting major points there. Right. Not. So that could push them out of the top eight. Yeah. Well, I the teams see. below them, none of them are making the major either. But with their current form, they're going to be gaining like 
80 points a regional because they're getting knocked out instantly, so they're probably going to get knocked out of the auto qualifier. Mm. Yeah. Watch out. And then, of course, you have teams like Sandrock who are, already, are, who are qualified for Worlds already. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I mean, but everybody kind of expected that to be the case. Yeah, everyone just saw that team and they're like, hmm... It'll See be a surprise if they like even lose a regional. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, we have been going a long time, and uh, I guess I didn't mention this to you, and uh, mm-hmm. you you're not a avid listener of the show. Uh, so I recently started recording, or made the decision to start recording shows exclusively for Patreon, and you are the first patreon episode so thank you for that and thanks to all the patreon folks that signed up for this level uh whether you did it recently or uh you just signed up and now you're going back to listen to all these episodes um but yeah thank you for for helping me out it was extremely short notice you just said hey let's set up a time and i said how about tonight and you said yes which i appreciate uh it, it really worked out for me um, and I will go ahead and wind this episode down just like we always do. Uh, any, any final thoughts that you might have for the infinite boost patrons? Uh, keep coming back to listen for more. Amen. That's it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, and so you talked about streaming where, where can people find you online? What, where would, where would you like people to find you? So I currently stream on Twitch. It would be twitch.tv slash messy4, which is M-E-H-S-I-4. So that's where you can find me. Currently trying to get 200 followers. Very close. Very close. Nice. And I'll be streaming five to six days a week, depending on how, how it is. Yeah. Were you streaming any Borderlands when you were on the Borderlands kick? No. I, I just recently started streaming like consistently. Got it. All right. <laughs> yeah. Very good. And, uh, well, gosh, I don't even, I don't even know what to do with this. Um, normally I, I let you let my listeners, gosh, this is the first one. I hadn't really thought about this. Um, I, I usually let my guests ask and ask a question of the audience. And so I guess I'll just let you do that. And I don't know, people can come to your stream, drop a follow and talk to you there uh i don't know but go ahead if you have a question that you think would be an interesting one for the audience all righty i think the question that i'll pose to the to the listeners right now is who is your dark horse to win this winter major Mm. who do you think is a team who's not likely to win it but has the chance to win it I mean, I feel like you could put NRG in that group based on how North America performed in the last major. No, but NR- NRG is a top team. They'll, they'll, they'll be fine. <laughs> they'll be fine. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe if they run into a bunch of NA teams. Yeah. A dark horse that I definitely see that has a chance to win this all is Team Secret. I can see Team Secret taking it. <laughs> but that's that's just who I think could take it. Yeah. But y'all let me know who who think is gonna take it, who you think is gonna take it. Who's a dark horse? Nice. Let me know. Very good. All right. Well, thank you for being a great way to kick off the 
the Patreon exclusives. I really appreciate it. Uh, and, and as always, thank you for the boost. No problem.